You might have to give me a minute because uh, hearing everybody sing like that was so beautiful. And I just imagine what the Lord feels, what he might feel hearing a church family come together and just sing louder than the PA system. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Happy New Year to all of you. And you made it. <laughs> you made it through 2020, 2021, and 2022 to the glory of God. And so here we are in 2023. And many of you know uh, this last year has been a really incredible year for our church family. We did something that we called the Year of the Bible, where we had that reading plan. And uh, we would read the Bible and during the week and come together and talk about what we read. And many of you are thinking, okay, this last week we read through Revelation, so you're going to teach on Revelation today. Yeah, no. Um, but if you're going, oh, but I wanted you to explain this and that, and I had these questions and thoughts, we are going to get into Revelation this year. We are going to teach the book of Revelation, but when you consider premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, all the different ennials and all the different perspectives, all the different symbolisms and prophecy, how deep and vast the book of Revelation is to just try and do it today. Also, when we've got kids present, I just thought, yeah, we're going to do something else and we're going to tackle the book of Revelation later this year. So uh, having said that, obviously on this New Year Day, how many of you might have stayed up later than you wanted to last night? Anybody? A few? Okay. Let me, okay, here we go. Who was in bed by 10? All right. You're the real heroes in my book, okay? All right. Awesome. I hope you guys had a special time with friends or with family ushering in the new year. What is it that so many people start setting? What, why is it that on this day, January 1st, or leading up to January 1st, so many people start setting so many goals, so many New Year's resolutions? I think partly because it's a natural rhythm of life. It feels like there's a season that's closed yesterday, and there's a new season that starts and opens today, looking forward into the new year. And it's this idea of a new opportunity, the idea of being able to look back in the end of the year and see the fruit of discipline, the fruit of discipline in our lives, to be able to, to see those inches lost around the waist, pounds off the scale, Screen time down on that little reminder that pops up on my phone. Money put into the savings account. More time with God, more time in the word, more time in prayer, more serving, more giving. But let's boil it down. Why do we even feel the need to set goals? Why, why do we want to make resolutions? I think it's because every single one of us can look in the mirror. And in some form or fashion, some area of our lives, we can look in the mirror whether it's physical, mental, educational, spiritual, relational, vocational, whatever all, we can look at ourselves and know, I could be better. And deep down, we want to be. And although there's nothing wrong innately with the desire to be better, there is a wrong way to desire to be better, a wrong way to go about trying to be better. More often than not, our desire to improve or be better is actually more often than not self-seeking or self-glorifying rather than God-glorifying. And if you look back at all the times in your life where you've had goals and you've had resolutions and things like that, like 
for me, my wife and I, we've been talking about some health goals in the next year and things like that. And if I'm honest, if I'm gonna stand up here and be honest, there's the part of me that wants to say, yeah, it's because I wanna be healthier. But if I'm really honest, it's because I wanna be Pastor Swolio. I wanna be able to like be animated in my preaching and, and be like, and so he said, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, and like, Summer's coming up and we'll be swimming and I want to be able to not be insecure when it's time for the swimming suit. I want to be not self-conscious. I want to look better. And it's just stupid pride and vanity. And there is a good motive in being healthier that easily turns bad by making it about me and glorifying myself and impressing people. And it's that easy to, to make a good decision with a bad motive. And the reason that we need to do these things with good motives is because bad motives lead to bad ways, bad decisions, bad, uh, bad habits. Um, the good motives are important. So my encouragement today for all of us this year as we launch into a new year today, as you evaluate your life, as you think about goals and resolutions and discipline, start with this fundamental question. How can I give glory to God? This is the most fundamental question we should ask ourselves not only on New Year's, we should ask ourselves this question every day. Not only should we ask ourselves this question every day, every moment, every morning when, when our alarm goes off, it should be the first thing we think about. How can I give glory to God today in my life? But we should think about this question all throughout the day. Every decision, every interaction, and let it be the center of, of everything we do, every plan, every goal, every resolution, every audible you might call throughout the year, every decision, every relationship, every purchase, every scheduling paradigm, how do I schedule my week, everything you put into your body, everything you put into your soul, everything you choose to watch or not watch, everything you choose to listen to or not listen to, everything you say or don't say, Every ounce of work ethic at the job you hate or the job you love, every interaction in complicated relationships, every quiz, every test, every assessment, every hobby, should I play Xbox for an hour or 10 hours? Should I buy that new mobile phone or be content with the one I have? Should I engage with that post I disagree with on social media or not? Should I buy that new car or not? Should I buy that new house or not? Should I change jobs or not? Should I get that drive through coffee or not? How should I respond to this person who has offended me? How should I respond to this suffering? How should I respond to this blessing? In the valley, on the mountaintop, every moment of every area of your life, we should be thinking, how can I glorify God in this. Why? Why should this be the anchor of our thoughts? Why should we be asking, how can I give God glory? Because the fundamental reason we exist, the basic reason we exist, is to give glory to God. That's why he created us. That's why he created all things. But Pastor Stephen, I just wish I knew what my purpose was. I wish I knew, I wish I had 
meaning in my life. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Listen, you want to know what your purpose in life is? Let's give glory to God. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I know that. But like, is my purpose this vocation or this career or this calling? Sometimes we complicate life decisions way too much by, by working and stressing way too hard over life decisions instead of just trusting that the Lord's leading us, being, being consistent and seeking and putting him first, and then just trusting he's going to lead us and focusing and prioritizing our life around this primary goal of giving glory to God. If you don't believe me that this is the fundamental reason we exist, I've got a few verses I want to go to really quick. They're going to be up on the screen. Isaiah 43 and 7. The Lord said this, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, saying, here's why I created them, <clears throat> whom I formed and made. Psalm 19 and 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Space, the universe, all of creation, when you look at the beauty of creation, when you stand at the shore of Lake Michigan and you're sitting there going, this looks like an ocean, but I know it's a lake. I feel like I should be able to see Michigan over there, but I can't. This is massive. And, and there's this sense of awe as you look at something so majestic. It, it, it is to the glory of God, not just the glory of the lake. Romans eleven thirty six. 36, here's one of the best. For from him and through him and to him, for, uh, from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him, for his glory. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You don't own you. So even as you're thinking about this next year, what do I want? What do I hope for? What do I long for? What do I want to do? What do I want to give myself to? You don't even own you. If you're a Christian, you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And at the end of service, we're going to take communion as a reminder today. But if you were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't even own you. So we should not, should not even be looking at the years. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want to do? Lord, what do you want? What do you want for me this year? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul telling the Corinthians, hey, whatever you do, Eating your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, and everything else, whatever you're doing, do it all to the glory of God. I love that verse. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Colossians 3, 17, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. There's plenty of verses. They're telling us the reason we exist and therefore the paradigm we ought to have in everything we do 
is to give glory to God. How can I get dressed unto the glory of God? By dressing in a way that is modest, by dressing in a way that, that points somehow back up to him, that shows him that I care, that I take this seriously. How can I eat to the glory of God? How can I exercise to the glory of God? How can I TV to the glory of God? How can I golf to the glory of God? How can we work to the glory of God? How can we parent to the glory of God? How can we spend or save to the glory of God? How can we invest to the glory of God? Everything in our lives, how can we do it in a way that gives glory to God, both in the way that we do it and then boiling deep down again into the motives of our heart? Those verses don't even mention the slew, the slew of verses in the Bible that are prescribing and commanding us to give glory to God. I wholeheartedly agree with the confession from the Westminster Catechism where it says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen. That's why you're alive. That's why we were just singing, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. The reason you have breath in your lungs, the reason you have blood pulsing through your veins is to give glory to God and enjoy him forever. That is your chief end. Why? Because it was your beginning as well. God created all things by him, through him, for him, and to him, for his praise, for his glory. And if you want your life to cut with the grain of the universe, meaning with the way God designed this life, this world, this universe to work, if you want to be in step with God and out of step with the godless, uh, godless culture, then it means taking our eyes off of ourselves in the way that the world teaches us to think about ourselves and say, why does God have me here? Why did God create me? Why do I exist? Why is earth here? For his glory. And if you want to find meaning and purpose, deep, sustainable joy and fulfillment in your life, it will be by saying, huh, I exist for the glory of God. Let my life, my actions, my motives, my speech say yes and amen. Let everything I do say amen to the reason that God created me. God's purpose for your existence is to give him glory in everything. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, stop, sit, think, pray, meditate, evaluate, ask yourself hard questions, and then ask what should this next year look like? Of course, you can ask what do you want it to look like, but really what do I want, what does God want my next year to look like? How can I align my schedule, my budget, my, my relationships, my work, everything in my life to give the most glory to God? What do you want to spend more of your time doing? What do you want to spend less of your time doing? Because it's not bad to think about, I, I, I want to lose some weight. That's a, that's a good thing. It's not bad to think, I want to read more books. It's not bad to think I want to do better at this. I want to get better at going to, to bed at the same time every night or I want to get better at this routine or this habit. I want to grow in discipline. But that thread of doing it for the glory of God needs to be the motive, the drive, and the perspective that keeps it um, centered and focused on how we should be doing it. Further, I would encourage you to evaluate your top goals 
and ask, are they God-motivated? Are they missional-motivated? The things this year that you're going to say yes to and the things that you're going to say no to, is the paradigm in your mind, okay, if I say yes to this, is it going to give glory to God? Or do I need to say no to it to give glory to God? Also, beyond that, if I say yes to this, is it going to help me live my life here on this earth for God's purposes and his mission? Or is this going to hinder and get in the way of God's purposes and mission and why he put me here? Listen, when your goals are oriented around glorifying God rather than just meager self-improvement, you have a greater motivation for sticking with it or for returning to the discipline when you find yourself drifting. You find yourself drifting, you don't just go, ah, there went that goal. I guess maybe next year I'll try again. No, you go, man, I drifted from what the Lord has called me into and living, living my life in a way that gives glory to him. Since I'm drifting, I repent. I acknowledge I've drifted. Lord, help me, forgive me, and bring me back into what matters. Because that's the Christian life until you're dead. Until you go be with the Lord, that's why Philippians 1.6 6, 1, 6 says, he who began a good work in you, Jesus Christ, who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the perfect day, meaning the day that we enter into eternity, whether by death or by the Lord calling us home, that God is still at work in you. Now, I wanna point you towards the two goals that will help all other goals. All the stuff I've talked about with the right motives and get living for the glory of God and sticking with it and, and keeping our perspective in the right place. There are two goals that are gonna help all of that. And there's a, there's a lot of psychology out, a lot of research, a lot of study that support the idea of keystone habits. That so many people, they get on a day like today and they're like, I'm gonna change my whole life. I'm gonna fix this and this and this. I'm gonna change my diet. I'm gonna go to bed earlier. I'm gonna get up earlier. No more sweets. I'm only gonna eat greens and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna exercise five days a week and I'm gonna read uh, a book a week and I'm gonna do all these things. Anybody else been there other than me before? Usually it doesn't pan out. Psychology is showing and, and research has shown that keystone habits are actually what is most important. That You pick one or two things that you're like, I'm pouring myself completely into focusing on these one or two things. And that when you get into disciplined habits in those areas, you'll start seeing discipline in other areas uh, as you grow in discipline and in routines. So if there are two things that I want to encourage you to orient your discipline around, any guesses what the two things might be? It's the most Sunday school answer you can think of. You guys are geniuses. <laughs> Bible and prayer. I thought you were going to give me some mind-blowing shocker this morning. No. See, we Christians are really good at wanting something new, and we can be really bad at acting on what we already have. We can be really good at going, I want new revelation. I want you to show me some, do, some new deep thing. I want you to blow my mind. And a lot of times we want that because it's easier to have our minds blown than it is to actually walk out hard things. And so today I'm not trying to blow your mind with some, whoa, I've never thought about that before. It's as simple as this. Looking at our lives and going, I, I I don't have to know anything about you to know that you could have more Bible in your life. 
I don't care who you are. You could have more. I don't have to know anything about you, your schedule, your priorities, your routine to know you could have more prayer in your life. And I don't say that condescendingly because it's true of me too. And so how do we make sure that we prioritize those things? So many of you have grown in your Bible reading this last year. I thank the Lord for that. I think the year of the Bible has accomplished what I hoped and prayed that it would. I heard so many people saying, I'm reading my Bible more than I ever have. Praise God. I'm so thankful. Let's not consider that check mark done where we start doing it less. Let's up our reading this year. Let's not regress. Let's progress. Let's move forward. Let's spend more time with God than we did last year. If you look back at last year and you go, man, I read my Bible more than I ever have and it was amazing. Whew, I did it. Then the desire ought to be, I want more. The more you spend time with the Lord, how many of you are like me and that there has been plenty of times that you're going, I don't want to sit and read my Bible right now. Been there before? Your pastor's confessing it. <laughs> I have felt that way before. But every time I do, it's like all those things in life that you're like, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to sit and read my Bible right now. I'm not in the mood to sit and pray. I feel like I'm not focused. I feel like there's all these other things I need to be getting done. All these excuses come up. But when you say, no, I'm going to give myself to this. I'm going to stick with it. It's important. In fact, it's more important than anything else in my life. You do it. And at the end, you go, I'm so thankful I did. Or I want more. I think I'll go longer. I think I'll make more time in my schedule. Today's message isn't really about the importance of Bible reading or the importance of prayer because none of you are sitting here going, wow, I did not know that was important. More so today, we're talking about the importance of discipline, specifically spiritual disciplines. Sometimes discipline and spiritual disciplines can become a bad word in Christian circles because people will be like, well, easy now. If you're telling me that I need to, to stick with this, like the Bible reading plan, or that I need to have a set schedule where every day I get up and pray, pastor, it's real easy for that to get into legalism. Okay, how many of you, if you're married, you told your spouse, you know, I know we should date pretty often, like at least once a month, maybe even once a week, but I want to be real careful not to get into legalism in our relationship. That's silly. Right? Joe, you didn't say that, did you? Okay, good. <laughs> now, when it comes to being with, knowing, and growing closer to someone you love, legalism is never a concern. It's only a concern when you don't know and love them which is where it comes back to the motive, where it comes back to, do I know the Lord? Why are these disciplines important? Is it so I can go, ha ha, I read the whole Bible this year and I learned a lot and here I can spout this theology and I can memorize these verses and I prayed this many hours, this many times this year, look how spiritual I am. Or this concept, and here's what's most often, because we by default don't believe the gospel that God gives us salvation by grace through faith, we think these things help us earn God's love and approval and acceptance and favor. And so we do these things thinking, hey, God's happy with me because I'm reading the Bible and he loves me because I'm praying. No, God loves you because Jesus died for you. God loves you and accepts you and approves you and receives you into his family, not because you read the Bible enough, not because you prayed more, not because you gave more or served more or attended more or any of those things. God loves you because he's loving and he's good in spite of you. That's to the praise of his glorious grace. 
That's the fact that he looks at us, wretches, undeserving, unworthy, and looks on us with love. Not because we deserve it, not because we're trying hard enough, but because he is good in and of himself. Daily devotion, Bible reading, daily prayer, commitment to attend and participate in worship gatherings, commitment to community, Christ-centered community, all of these things that fall into the categories of spiritual disciplines. Things that sometimes we don't want to do, but we should be faithfully devoted to them. I could take a sermon to argue about the importance of those, and maybe I will someday. But today I want to argue for the importance of setting up habits, routines, and disciplines to ensure that we're committed to them and that we actually build our lives around spiritual disciplines rather than around the whirlwind of everything else that is going to scream at you, I deserve time on your schedule. Because none of you are sitting here thinking, I've got 10 extra hours in the week that I could give to this. None of you are sitting here going, I just have all this free time. I'm not busy at all. I don't have, yeah, I'm sitting here every day literally going, what could I even do today? I know we all fill our lives with so many things. And if we don't choose where our priorities are and what we give our time to, everything else will choose for us. Fundamentally, what is the goal of spiritual disciplines? That's what we need to get to before we go, here's why I want to do this. Before we say, here's what I need to do, I need to be disciplined in these areas, we need to ask why. What's the goal? The goal of these spiritual disciplines of spending more time in the word and more time in prayer is to know God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I already know you, to know him more. Anybody here who's been married for any amount of time can tell you there's more to learn about each other, about their spouse. And God is infinite. We were just singing, great are you, Lord. And I quoted out of Psalms where it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Meaning you can't find out how great he is. There is enough in God to captivate us for eternity. And so the goal of these disciplines is to know God, which leads or to knowing God more, which leads to loving God more, which leads to serving God more, which leads to glorifying God more. I'm going to say that one more time. To know God more, to love God more, to serve God more, to glorify God more. When it's about us and being spiritually mature, which is a good thing. I don't want to knock that like that. But when it's about us being able to go, look how what I did instead of, man, I'm getting closer to God. So we need to make time with God a non-negotiable. We all have non-negotiables, right? Like you don't negotiate around your work schedule. You're going to work. Kids, you're going to school. Yeehaw! You have things in your life that are non-negotiable. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, meals, non-negotiable for you, right? I don't have to sit here and tell you guys, you better prioritize your meals. You better make room on your schedule for food. How come nobody has to tell you that? Your body screams at you. The thing is, our spirits are different. It doesn't feel like physical weakness and hunger and but it is similar in our spirit where we become spiritually weak. The times in your life where you're more prone to be tempted by sin, where you're more prone to say yes to sin and temptation are the times where you are spiritually weak. 
where you have not been feeding yourself on the word of God. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you've got two dogs in a fight, one of them's been fed and one of them has not won, or one of them has not been fed, which one wins the fight? The dog that's been fed. And if you want to walk in the spirit and resist the flesh, resist Satan, it's not a merit thing, earning the grace of God. It is a, I need to feed myself so that I can be spiritually strong. A.W. Tozer said this, I love it. Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. There are plenty of good things in our lives, good things, not bad things, not evil things. I love Tozer's sentiment here. Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. Listen, to believe that you can know God, love God, serve God, please God, obey God, resist sin and temptation, walk in the spirit rather than the flesh, that you can live in a way that glorifies God apart from devotion to his word is foolishness and self-deception. You can't do it. You might be able to do it for a week, a month, but inevitably your flesh will overrule the spirit if your spirit is not fed, if your spirit is weak. A few verses, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is powerful. That's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. Paul writing to Timothy saying, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. James 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but be doers also. Psalm 119 and 9, how can a young person stay pure? By living according to your word. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Psalm 18 and 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Matthew 7 and 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you think you're going to be faithful to the Lord, strong in your faith, resist temptation, stand up to cultural pressure, Antichrist spirits and persecution. If you think you're going to be strong in those things without feeding regularly on the word of God, you're fooling yourself. Prayer. Similarly, as I just said earlier, to believe that you can know God apart from prayer, love God without prayer, serve God without prayer, please God without prayer, obey God without prayer, resist sin and temptation without prayer, walk in the spirit rather than the flesh without prayer, live in a way that glorifies God apart from devotion to God in prayer is foolishness and self-deception. Charles Spurgeon said this, with all your efforts, you do not succeed because you omit to pray to God. Because you omit, he said, and you don't succeed because you omit to pray to God. And so these are all the things that, again, you were able to answer the Sunday school question when I asked you, what are the two things that you think are most important that you need to prioritize around? You're all like, scripture and prayer. 
Wonderful. Amen. It's true. We all know this. Today, I'm up here lovingly reminding all of us that we have a season that's a fresh opportunity to go, I need to prioritize the word and prioritize prayer in my life. Well, which one should I do more, Pastor Stephen? I have another Spurgeon quote for you. When asked what is more important, prayer or reading the Bible, I ask what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? Oh, I love that. I'm going to read it one more time. It was too good. Charles Spurgeon, when asked what is more important, prayer or reading the Bible, I ask what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? If you're going to be faithful to the Lord, if you're going to grow in in your spiritual disciplines, if you're going to grow in your knowledge of God, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, if you're going to grow in your obedience and pleasing of the Lord, if you're going to live a life that is conformed more and more into the image of Christ, it will be by spending time with Christ through his word and through prayer. Someone say amen. Well, Pastor Stephen, I hear you, but I just don't want to get legalistic. I've already talked about that. When you love someone, what's the difference? What's the difference? The fine line between discipline and legalism is motive. The fine line between you being disciplined and you being legalistic in your relationship with God is your motive. Are you trying to earn his, his, his grace or is it just that you love him and therefore you want to spend time with him? And if you don't, love him to where you want to spend time with him, you need to do some more other evaluation. And also spending time in the word of God and in prayer will also stir your knowledge and love for him. Robert Kent Hughes, uh, in his powerful book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, he says this, the legalistic heart says, I will do this thing to gain merit with God. The disciplined heart says, I will do this thing because I love God and want to please him. The only difference is the motive. You can do the exact same thing with a different motive. Huge difference. 1 Timothy 4 and 7 says this, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. This was Paul writing to his apprentice, his pastoral student, if you will, Timothy. But this is for all of us today. Train yourself yourself for godliness. I can train you some, godly leaders in your life can train you some and pour into you and disciple you, but ultimately the onus comes back to you because there is a person that it's okay for them to always be fed by someone else. What is that? A baby. None of us are going, oh my gosh, baby, you're so selfish. Why don't you grow up? All you still making me Hold this bottle for you. Seriously? No, it's a baby. And when someone is a new believer, they are spiritually a baby where they need to be taught a lot. They need to be uh, discipled a lot. They need to be taught how to read and handle the word of God. But there comes a point where we need to train ourselves for godliness by spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer. As I conclude and wrap up today, a few things to help you out. Hopefully the Holy Spirit has stirred you up and stirred your hunger and appetite to live for his glory and to discipline your life around time in the word and time in prayer. I want to talk about Bible reading for just a second. If we can go to that next slide. 
This year, last year we did the, the year of the Bible. We're not doing that again, where I'm not preaching on Sundays relative to the reading plan, but we have available out at uh, the info desk, the Bible recap reading plan. This isn't a 260-day reading plan, meaning Monday through Friday. It's a 365-day reading the Bible every day of the year, and it's chronological. So you'll be reading through the Bible in the order of events that happened, which will help a lot of us grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. Uh, So one, if you don't have one of those, you can get one out there or on Amazon. I really don't care. We're not making a profit off of them anyways. Um, We're selling them the price that we got them. Um, Or if you have a different reading plan you want to do, more power to you. Um, Scripture memorization. I would encourage and challenge you to memorize scripture at least one verse a week. Memorize at least one verse a week. Ask yourself, what's a good verse that I feel like would be good for me to have in my heart? And there's some great apps. My favorite is called Verses. Verses is an app on iOS that it does games that help you memorize verses. You go through like certain levels and stages and you finish and you're like, oh wow, I know that verse now. Um, If you don't have Apple devices on both platforms, the Bible memory app is really good. Uh, for memorizing verses as well. You might be like, man, I don't like reading. I hate reading. Listen to audio Bible and take that excuse out of your, uh, out of your life. And then finally, accountability. Every single one of us needs to have at least one person, probably several, that we say, hey, this year I'm going to do this Bible recap plan or I'm going to do this Bible reading plan or I want to read the Bible this way, this much, this often, whatever it might be. Someone that you talk to and say, this is my commitment I'm probably going to drift at a point and I need you to check on me and keep me accountable. We need each other. We encourage each other and spur one another on to love and good works. Let's look at prayer for a moment. Devotion to prayer. That was devotion to God's word. If you need help, some wonderful tools. Again, there's an, uh, an app called the Echo app and or the Prayer Mate app. Both are really good that you, think about all the times in your life when you're talking to someone and they're like, oh, I'm going through this and you're like, I'll be praying for you. And then you forget you can put those into these apps and they'll remind you. You can set up routines of prayer. You can set up triggers to remind you to pray. And even if you don't want to do it on your phone, do you want to go old school and tie a ribbon around your finger, put something on your mirror when you're brushing your teeth, do whatever you need to do to jog you and remind you to pray. I think about Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6, where it says, Uh, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't know what to pray. I get in there and I try to pray and I don't know what to pray. Here's a few things. Take a picture with your phone if you want. What to pray when you don't feel like praying or know what to pray. Number one, confess your sin. That's a, a wonderful thing to do right out the gate. Just go, Lord, is there anything in my heart, anything in my conscience that I need to bear before you? Confess it and repent and turn from it. Number two, Use the prayers of scripture. We have the Lord's prayer. We have all the prayers from the epistles that Paul and Peter wrote when they said, I pray for you this way. Man, pray those things. Uh, We have Psalms to pray. We have tons of prayers in scripture. Number three, recite God's attributes. Just when you're praying, you're going, I don't know what to pray. Just think about who God is, what he's like and go, God, you're holy. There's none like you. You're awesome. You're omnipotent. You're all powerful. You're all knowing. Just recite to God who he is and watch it stir your faith. Uh, Number four, praise God for his blessings. Sit there, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Count your many blessings. A couple people know that song. Name them one by one. Okay, we'll stop. Number five, 
Pray through a prayer list. That's what I was just talking about. Let's not be the people, let's not be the church who's like, I'll be praying for you, and then don't do it. Let's be the people who, when we say that we're gonna pray for people, they know we mean it and that we're really gonna do it. Number six, focus on the needs of others. That one's kind of with that prayer list as well. Think about other people in your life. If you're thinking, what can I be praying about right now? I'm sure there's people in your life who are going through stuff. Pray for them. Number seven, rejoice that Jesus is praying for you. Jesus, our intercessor, our high priest, is praying for you. You don't know what to pray? Just sit there and thank him. Thank him. And then finally, uh, our last slide today is we have to remove time wasters. It could look like restricting or removing social media or other apps on our phones. I'm like a year and a half Facebook free and I'm so happy about that. I have to be careful with other apps that want to waste my time too. Limit and cut out television, movies, and screen time. Ask yourself, how much time am I giving to those things? Evaluate how much time you give to your hobbies. Hobbies are good, but hobbies can also become gods. Hobbies can easily become idols. I know that's true for me and it's true for you too. And then ask yourself also, what else is taking up your time? Listen, the thoughts that, I know I need to read my Bible more. I know I need to pray more. I know I need to, but Pastor Stephen, if you look at my schedule, I'm just too busy. No, you've got too many in-placed priorities or improperly placed priorities. If you believe that your life exists to give glory to God and that you need God's help through his word, through prayer, growing in relationship with him, if you believe that these things are more important than anything else, then you will make time. All of us make time for what's most important to us. That's the bottom line. We all make time for what's most important to us. The question is what's most important to us. Let's let this next year, 2023, be a year where we recognize discipline is necessary. Training ourselves for godliness is necessary. But not only is it necessary, it's for our good, it's for our joy, it's for our peace, it's for our hope, it's for our comfort. All the things that we need from God, we get as we are with him. So this discipline becomes less and less feeling like discipline and more and more like enjoying seeing someone whom you love. Amen.